It is a dreary Friday morning in Athens, cold and rainy, but that's why we are here to make it better. Welcome to the Red and Black Sports Report on 90.5 FM WUOG, live from the Tate Student Center in the heart of campus. Come say hi to us, come see us. My name alongside Henry Queen and Nathan Moore. Later in the show, we will have a special guest, so get excited for that. It'll be a lot of fun as we'll dive into plenty of stuff this week here on the show, but... We begin the show as we do every week, fellas. And I was hoping that our that our guest uh, was going to be here for this part because I feel like they would have enjoyed it. But I guess not. Maybe we can ask them when they show up a little bit later. But the best part of your week was what? Hmm. <laughs> Got him off guard. Week. Oh. What about you, Nathan? Um, I'm just going to say checking the, uh, the game pick standings in the paper and seeing that once again, I am in first after, uh, being tied with Anna Glenn last week. But yeah, being alone at the top again was, was nice on Monday. Well, I went four and oh, but you went four and oh too. But, uh, but, but who, first career four and oh for Henry, no, by the way, second first, career. Okay. Well, they're, they're like the same. Uh, what was the best part of your week, Henry? My, the best part of my week was... Probably getting, uh, I got some pizza yesterday, and it was pizza that I never had before. Y'all ever been to Mama Sid's? Yeah, it's right yeah. by my house. It's good. Did you get the buffet? Yeah. I did not. It was empty Six in there. Six dollars all you can eat, dude. I, I didn't What's go. Wrong with I didn't you? go. I got delivery. Or not delivery. I got a pickup, and so I just like ordered a normal twelve inch pizza. Well, this is pretty good. Though. I the almost ate all good. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what else is good on the buffet? I don't know. I've pizza. never had it. I just drive well, by. I do, really no, stupid. okay. Well, no, I drive by the sign <laughs> wait, wait, yeah. all the time. I drive by the sign, and Jed May, friend of the show, he was a mainstay uh, in the spring on it. He is a big, big Mama Sid supporter. <laughs> and so I was all for it uh, when, when Jed was letting us know. But you, have yet, you, just, you just call me out on not ever having the buffet, but you have yet to have the buffet yourself. But I've heard nothing but good things. If Jed supports it, I, I can get behind so, it. So, like, I'm taking everyone's word for it. But, okay, the best part of my week, I think, uh, I went back home for a day, got to watch my brother sign his, uh, his national letter of intent to play college baseball, which was pretty cool. Even cooler, now I can say that I am officially the best wiffle ball player in the house and that even though there is a, a collegiate athlete, that I could take a 400 feet deep to center field. So Really? I mean, I 400. think so. I like to think so, yeah. <laughs> With yeah. a wiffle ball. No, no, no. I'm not no. even the sure wi- Mike Trout can no, do No, no. Baseball, I would hit 400 feet. The wiffle ball, I mean... I got a couple in the neighbor's gutters. Can you seriously hit him? Like, I mean, I don't know. The last time he actually pitched to me, pitched to me, was probably when he was 12 or something. <laughs> now he's 18. But, uh, yeah, we play wiffle ball still. We get competitive. Best part is because I can, I can like, spin it a little bit, you know, so I'll, mm. I'll throw it I'm at sure him. I'm sure he can, too, since he's playing baseball at Georgia State. So. Well, you know, I'm still the best baseball player in the family, so. We'll see how it goes. All right, our guest has joined us this morning. It is Mr. Andy Walsh, the assistant sports editor, one of the assistant sports editors at the Red and Black, and also a men's basketball beat writer. Andy, what's up, man? Thanks for coming. How's it going? Good. How about you? I'm pretty good. A little tired, a little early, so uh, not used to this. (laughs) So the way we start out the show every week is that we usually start out with what the best part of our week was. And so Nathan and Henry just went. Henry's is usually involving food. 
Nathan's usually involves football. And I think for the first time in a month, I didn't say something about the weather. Uh, so for you, Andy, oh God. what was the best part of your week, man? Can I say uh, nothing, maybe? No. I mean, sure. Pop out. Pop out. something I got to think about it, though. Mm. That's just it. We never think about it. Yeah. I always just say the first thing that comes Well, while we're <laughs> waiting, Nathan, did you see the Browns thing yesterday? Miles Garrett? Listen, yeah, that's, my, only that's comment, my favorite thing of the week. My only comment on that is don't mess with them Browns, all right? <laughs> I ha- I was watching the game with a bunch of buddies last night, and they were all telling me, like, oh, God, you, the Browns are so bad. They're about to get beat. So, like, I was really taking bets right now. I guarantee the Browns win this game. And what they do? Third yeah. win? Yeah. Fourth? But, oh, but, yeah, they beat the Bills. Yeah. But okay. now he's probably, like, gone for the season. So that, yeah, that doesn't matter. He's overrated did you, anyway. did you see people saying that they wanted him to get arrested for it? <laughs> he took a helmet like, and like clobbed a guy with like, a helmet him. in the middle of the field. <laughs> <laughs> if he did that outside the stadium, he would get arrested. He was trying to put it back on, man. Oh, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> kind of like those little, his head. You know those little snap wristbands that you have? Yeah. Like one of those, but I get, I get you. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. All right, guys, we had a lot of stuff that happened over the past week. It was a busy week in Georgia athletics. Lots of movement um, in in athletic programs, rankings. But the place I want to start with you guys is with the college football playoff rankings. And in the first rendition, Georgia was the sixth best team in the country. And then a little bit of chaos. Penn State lost to Minnesota. Alabama lost to LSU. And so Georgia slides up to number four behind LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson, respectively, now in the second week of the college football playoff rankings. And so my question to you guys is, does that matter? Because my initial thought process is that for Georgia to get into the playoff, it has to win the SEC championship no matter what. I don't see another way Georgia gets in as an SEC championship loser and with two losses on the year. So I don't think being number four really matters at all. Maybe it drums up. The hype, the TV ratings for the rest of the games for the year, for the game against Auburn this weekend. But in terms of the grand scheme of things, I genuinely don't think it matters. And I don't think there should be a ton of importance in Georgia being four. You guys agree, disagree? Your thoughts? I think it's no secret that it doesn't really matter. Sure. But it provides a, um, like a, it, people can now understand like a, their thought process behind things. You know what I mean? So like, but then again, like also you would think like, okay, with Alabama's number five, Somebody's bound to lose probably in the top four at some point. So is Alabama is that, like it's, it's still almost good for Alabama even though they're not in the top four. But yeah, I think it just kind of reflects on their thought process and it kind of like shows the people what they're thinking. But beyond that, I don't think it matters at all. Yeah, <clears throat> I have to agree with Henry and um, spoke with Monty Rice. Um, I practice or after practice on Tuesday. And when he was asked what he thought of the rankings, he said flatly, it doesn't matter. Um, and, yeah, I think that's the case. Because Georgia knows what they need to do to go to the playoff, and it's one thing. It's got to win the SEC championship. Um, so I think they like to see themselves in there. Um, it's a good look always to be in the top four. Um, but, like, like we've all said, it doesn't really matter. Well, he didn't point. show up to the media until after. after. The show. So you think the whole team was watching? He, we asked him that, and he said no. Okay. So Lies. was he lying or now he does just take forever anyway? That's, <laughs> yeah, I was saying, he's, he usually wants to see who the who the contenders are and sticking around and waiting. Um, and a few dropped out. Only the only the brave made it through, and I think he showed up. And that's why he, he respects y'all. Um, then he he sh- he uh, talked to you, Jed, and Brandon right after a media availability yeah. last week. I will say. <laughs> 
he gave me a pretty good answer for, and he's usually terrible about <laughs> answering questions. Um, he gave me a pretty good answer for one on Tuesday. I think purely because I feel like we got a connection now. Cause like I said, <laughs> me, Jed and Brandon talked to him um, the other day. Cause like he answered my question in the very beginning very well, said something that I didn't expect him to say, which was take a subtle shot at Vanderbilt low-key. Um, yeah, that was a good one. But uh, And then the rest of the, the interview, he was just back to being himself. So I was like, okay, <laughs> at least you were, you know, yeah. student, students stick together. You know? Yeah, there you go. I have a question. Does Alabama make it into the top four, even if they don't go to the SC championship? If there's mass chaos ahead, yes. But I don't you know to need. I don't think you even need mass chaos. Really, a little bit, right? I mean, I think Georgia, a Pac-12 champ jumps them. Really? Because like, if they're, if they're one loss, yeah. a 12 and one Pac-12, assuming that both Oregon and Utah are, are 11 and one when they play each other, is it because the, like it's, right now they're saying a one a one loss Alabama is far better than a one loss Pac-12 team, but we're not far better, but they're better. So you're saying that they're going to jump them just because they're going to have that quality win by beating the other Pac-12 yes. team? Yeah. Okay. So the Pac-12 team has to have the quality win, and it's got to be convincing. It can't be Oregon just edging out Utah in a 65-61 to 61 kind of barn burner. It's <laughs> got to be Oregon putting it to Utah or the other way around. Because I think, yeah, what they're saying right now is that Alabama's one loss is far better than either of those schools' one loss. I think there's a chance. But see, I think Alabama will end the season having not beaten Anyone of note. Right, Texas saying. A&M and Auburn will be their two marquee wins, but Which A&M's a, falling off the wagon, and you know Auburn's just kind of there. That's an extremely strange thing to say about an SEC West team. Right. Historically, yeah. you can't get through that gauntlet without beating some of the best teams mm-hmm. in the country. But for Alabama, LSU was the only game on there that would have been a very impressive win. And, yeah, I, I don't think – I think Alabama – is done unless there's some some losing from teams ahead of them. Mm-hmm. I agree. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Still a couple of big games on the schedule for sure. The Iron Bowl is in Auburn this year, so that could add some more chaos. Ohio State and Penn State getting ready to play each other. Penn State will have some revenge on the mind on its mind from losing to Minnesota. So plenty of things that can still happen. But Georgia last Saturday night, uh, night game at Sanford Stadium. And shutout Missouri, 27-0 the final. The third shutout of the season for Georgia. The first time that has happened since 1981. And it, it was a little iffy. It was a little dicey there at the end. The defense, a lot of the starters were out. Missouri starts taking it down the field behind a backup quarterback in Taylor Powell. Even the third string guy came in a little bit. Get towards the goal line, and then you see you see the starters rush back in for Georgia defensively. And I think more than anything else, Henry, that they wanted to preserve the fact that they are the only team in the country to still not allow a rushing touchdown. It seemed like that was evident that at that point they were going for pride, knew the game was won, but they were not going to give up a touchdown on the ground, even if they gave one up through the air. And they didn't even give up one up through the yeah. air. So I mean, they, it's the first time they have had three shutouts in a season since 1981. Uh, that comes from Anna Glenn Grove, one of our football beat reporters. And then also... You uh, mean red and black stats and info? <laughs> sure. And then, um, so that's three in the, in the season, right? First time since 81. The the, the record in Georgia history for a 12-game season or more is four. So they're only one away. Um, now, granted, I don't know if they can get one against Auburn, a and Tech. Tech. I mean, maybe Tech, yeah. At Tech, why not? But uh, So that would be tying the record. Um, I'm assuming postseason does not count, although I may be wrong. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was impressive. They, you know, I think it was a 
Michael Barnett on Monday was like, oh, you know, did you take any pride from the shutout win? Um, and they were like, yeah, no, nah, it's just another win. But, like, we kind of pr- pride. And he was like, yeah, it, it was special. Like, they got emotional. You know, they get emotional after, like, a big tackle or a big, you know, tackle for loss sack. So I think when you see that zero on the scoreboard, you get even more emotional and pumped up. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was interesting to see. But, all right, Nathan, next uh, hard-hitting question for you. Same thing. We do this every week, man. Your three-word headline to encapsulate what we saw on Saturday. Andy, you're next. Oh, wow. Tough. Um, I'm, I'll say as was expected. Okay. I feel like that's been done at some point this season. Not those specific three words. I don't think so. But – I mean, again, this is this is this is one of those basically every East game, except for Florida and then South Carolina, which Georgia lost. Every SEC East opponent they've played, Georgia has come in as pretty heavy favorites and done just about what was expected of them to do, and not anything more. Um, which again, when I say as expected, yes, they won and they were expected to win, and yes, it wasn't very close, but it. Georgia, I think, would have liked to have scored a lot more points. They settled for a lot of field goals again in this game, um, and it, like I kind of expected Georgia's offense to struggle a little bit ag- again with that. So the as expected kind of goes both ways, good and a little bit not so good. But yeah, that's what I'd say. Messy but effective, <laughs> I suppose. Like I guess it plays all the same thing. Like they just didn't score as many points as they probably wanted to. They settled for a lot of field goals. So it's sort of messy, but you know they got the win, and and uh, I guess they move on to Auburn. Which in that case, they probably don't want to settle for field goals against Auburn. Cause yeah, that'll be a deal breaker, I guess. That was Especially pretty- early on in the game with momentum in that crowd. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was pretty much the same thing that I had in my mind. I was going to think good, not great, good enough, right? It, like you guys both said, got yeah. the job done, but by no means really a flashy win. Now Missouri's defense is good they've got some solid guys Barry Odom a defensive guy their head coach but I don't know what are the big takeaways from what happened on Saturday other than Rodrigo Blankenship still pretty consistent four out of five on field goals the offense somewhat able to move the ball and then Lawrence Cager gets hurt right before halftime with about 25 seconds left but again showed that he's the lifeline to this offense and that without him it seems like the passing game struggles to find kind of an identity and then George Pickens in the second half emerges and ends up as the second leading receiver with five receptions and almost had a third touchdown of the game. He caught both of the touchdowns for Georgia, but he actually wasn't lined up on the on the line of scrimmage, so it's his fault that the 68-yard touchdown pass got called back. And uh, Kirby Smart said that after the game very, very uh, concisely when asked about George Pickens. He said he was good. Would have had a third one if he had his feet on the ball or if he lined up right, and then that was about it. But... um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the real take-home messages are from it. It just, you know, Nathan, I keep going back to what you and I had said, I think about a month ago now, back to that mentality of it felt like a chore, like just something you got to check off the list, survive in advance, and just try not to, just try not to mess up. And I think earlier in the season, we were a bit fed up with it. I think just not even as Georgia fans, but just as people that want to watch an entertaining product on the field. Yeah. But I think at this point, you'll absolutely take that if you're Kirby, you'll absolutely take that as a fan just because at this point in the season, it is just about checking that box, getting the win, 
moving on. Like, because that's all Georgia's got to do at this point. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're winning every single game from here on out by one point. If they ended up winning the SEC championship as a one-loss team, they're getting in. So, what's the identity of this football team? I've been thinking about that, and I think Kirby Smart got asked that during the teleconference a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "No, gritty, resilient." kind of those kinds of words, and that was the the main theme. But I don't know. I mean, to me, it feels like underwhelming. I I agree, but as of now, you know, there's some strong momentum. Since this loss, there's been some better performance, and I I, I don't see a team-wide identity, if that makes sense. Like, sure. Whether it be positive or negative, but I think right now the, the identity rests solely on the defense and how, how good they have been, I think. And that's it is a positive uh, takeaway, but then you have a whole other side of the ball that has been underwhelming um, for the most part. And, and I mean, they they've showed up these past few games, but like you said, like it, it all depends on Lawrence Cager. He is the lifeline. I so think, I think the identity rests on the defense. I absolutely agree. the The thing that makes Georgia less entertaining than LSU, less entertaining than Ohio State, is I think the best by far and away the best part of the team is the defense. But you can't even – it's not like you have a Chase Young or one specific guy that you can look at that's just make that's just a highlight reel. Um, I was watching ESPN the other morning, and I forget who was talking about it, but they explained it really well. There's not one super flashy guy on that defense, but as a whole, it's the best defense in college football. Um, and is that exciting necessarily? No. Do they make – they sack a ton of people? No. They You know, are they out here – turning people over every game, not exactly, but they don't let people score. And I think that is, I guess, what the identity of this team is, is just a absolute rock-solid defense. Yeah, I think when I think of the defense, it feels like smash-mouth defense. They're just going to come at you downhill and really in the front seven just try and, and trap you. And We've mentioned this, I think, in the weeks past, that at the beginning of the year we thought the secondary would be the strongest point of the defense, and right now it might be the weakest link just with all the injuries, but Tyson Campbell came back and ended up playing on Saturday night. He said it felt great to finally get back out there. He had been out with turf toe since the Arkansas State game in early September, and now finally back for Georgia, so that brings a little bit more experience back to the secondary, and that's where the defense has been exposed uh, as of late, but... In terms of offense, Jake Fromm finishes 13 to 29 for 173 yards, two touchdowns. DeAndre Swift is the leading rusher, 12 carries for 83 yards. Georgia finishes with 191 yards on the ground. But guys, does Kelly Bryant not playing in this game make it make that big of a difference in the final outcome? How does this change if Kelly Bryant plays? He was out with a hamstring injury. If he plays even at let's say 65-70% and not 100%, I just feel like that changes the complete dynamic of the game given his track record. Yeah, I feel like they don't get the shutout if he plays. Right. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I think he's top five in SC passing yards, so I feel like he prob- they probably would have put up at least one touchdown or at least a field goal. I mean, he's he's a pretty dynamic player. But then again, if he's struggling with a hamstring, you never know. You know, he might not be able to run at all or, you know, so I think they probably would have scored. So yeah. we wouldn't be talking about the shutout now. Uh, speaking with – um. Emily Leaker, the uh, sports editor for the Mizzou student paper um, for our Behind Enemy Byline story, she said it would be a pretty big difference um, if Kelly Bryant didn't play. Obviously, I asked her to straight up, you know, what should we expect from him? Because I haven't watched any Missouri football all season. <laughs> um, and he's like, he makes the offense move with his feet. 
um, and we didn't see really any of that from Taylor Powell. Um, so yeah, I think Georgia still would have won, and it still would have wouldn't have been very close. But yeah, I think I agree with Andy. I think they probably at least score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they. Pro- I agree with you all. Yeah, I think they probably would have scored. Uh, Nathan, I am happy to report. I don't know why this triggered my memory about it, but had your favorite after the game, turkey sandwiches. Yes. They made a comeback. Lasagna pregame meal, though. And I will say the coolest part about all of that on Saturday, they had the Alabama-LSU game on every single screen up there in the press box, and Mm -hmm. the lasagna is out there. The the pregame meal is rolling, and it's the ESPN crew comes in. It's Steve Levy, Todd McShay, Brian Greasy, Molly McGrath, and uh, ESPN Radio was there, too, for a national radio broadcast. So they all had the table next to us. And Todd McShay is just fixated on the LSU-Alabama game. And you can just audibly hearing, hear him in real time, like breaking down, analyzing Joe Burrow. The coolest thing. I was, I was just sitting there, and it's like I felt like I was in the war room on like draft day with Mel and uh, Todd and just hearing their analysis, that's and then they're good, joking back point. and forth. He is, he is pretty smart. Was it even more so than – like? did you see more than he would even show during a regular broadcast? I don't know. I mean, it, there weren't a ton of necessary specifics, but everybody else, you know, making small talk, enjoying their meal. And he was talking a little bit, but I don't think he blinked. His eyes were glued <laughs> to the TV, even during the commercials, just in case he was going to see something or something would happen. And then – Well, that makes sense because he still is a draft expert, yeah, right? Yeah. So, therefore – I mean, he's he, got his big board that goes on the little. He's, he's got a dis- he's got a disadvantage to Kuiper because Kuiper's just at home on his couch, sure. you know, <laughs> taking notes. Todd's got to work, man. Todd's got a double time. Man. Yeah, so he's. <laughs> I mean, Joe's right now. I mean, would y'all disagree? Like the num- like, is he gonna be a number one pick right Probably. now? Probably. I don't. I think Tua still should go. I mean, I don't know. Did the Dolphins knew that Alabama would lose, so the Dolphins strategically have won so that they can still place themselves in that Tua range for when Burrow goes that's to the true, Bengals. True, yeah. what, wait, what do you think? I, I want to on the Bengals. <laughs> Joe Burrow's is the best quarterback. Yeah, so he's agree with me. Um, As of now, he's looking like now, number one pick. I, I'm trying to remember if I had a really hot take about this earlier in the year that could be wrong now, but I think I said he was going to be pretty good, um, and he is, and I think – it's not even close. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. T- I, I think, think I would so. take to a third at this point. I think I would behind go, Chase Young. Yeah, I mean, I think Chase Young is the best player in the draft. But yeah, sure. maybe he should go one. These teams, yeah, really these depends. teams are just desperate for quarterbacks always. Oh yeah. So two. Uh, so uh, Burrow, I do think will go. Who's the third one. best quarterback? Probably Herbert. After that, out at yeah. Oregon. Back yeah, in the day, they used to say from. Back in the day. <laughs> I will give credit to uh, to Augusta Stone, the other assistant sports editor. She actually picked LSU to win the SEC championship back in you know August or July, but just was too afraid of her pick to put it on paper. Yeah, then she didn't pick them. That's, so that's what I so yeah. she for she the college thought, playoff. We never. We, I don't think we ever picked the SEC championship. We. I don't think we officially picked it. But, but she said she, she said yeah. that LSU would win it. But then she did not pick LSU to go to the playoff. Therefore, she didn't actually believe in it. Mm. So, like, credit to her, but also discrediting her a little bit for not believing in <laughs> no, herself. fully but. discredited. If you didn't put it in the paper, <laughs> it doesn't count. Like, All right. That's our stance. Fully discredited. So the Red and Black Sports Report does not agree with Augusta's claim that she correctly predicted LSU. That's our statement. But, all right, so a big game coming up this week on the Plains in Auburn. And Georgia went there a couple years ago, took care of Auburn at home last year, but two years ago got absolutely steamrolled by Jarrett Stidham, on Johnson, and company out there on the Plains. And so 
What can we expect going into this Saturday? It's a Denver-Auburn team. Their defense is the strong point. And Derek Brown, the senior on the defensive line, is one of the best guys in the trenches in the entire country. True freshman quarterback in Bo Nix. What are the biggest storylines that are jumping out heading into Saturday? I feel like trap is not an accurate word because by no means is it a trap game. It's just going to be a hard game, but one that Georgia on paper is better than Auburn in most of the statistical categories. And almost all position groups. You know? Right, and so Georgia is better, and I think that the atmosphere at, however you're supposed to say it, Jordan-Hare, is that how yep, you're supposed Jordan. to say it? Jordan-Hare. Uh, I mean, it is electric, and so there's no doubt that'll play a factor, but I mean, what are the one of the biggest things that we should be watching. How about penalties? Because I'm pretty sure that was a major storyline in the loss in 2017. They just mm-hmm. kept snowballing for Georgia um, early on, and then that allowed the crowd to get even more into it. I mean, that was a loud crowd, probably the loudest I've ever been um, in a, like a, at an actual game. Maybe Georgia Notre Dame. I don't really know. How would you say compare those two? I would say it w- it was the loudest – I had ever been in um, since like 2008, like number three Oklahoma at Florida State, like that going. It had been. A does your young mind remember correctly? Yes, my young mind does remember <laughs> correctly. Um, but yeah, and you and I can attest to this, having gone to a lot of Auburn games mm-hmm. growing up. That was easily the loudest I've ever heard that stadium for mm-hmm. sure. Um, really? Yeah. And I've been. I had been to Auburn. But I have LSU, never. Auburn, I, Georgia. I don't think previously. I've been to a. As big of a game, like when I grew up, we just went to like the, the scrub games. Um, I never been to an Iron Bowl. I never been to a Georgia Auburn game, but I think I've been to a few Auburn Arkansas games. Those used to be yeah. those used to be a thing back in the back day. In the, Arkansas the Ryan yes. Mallet days. Yeah. yeah. What about um? Yeah, McFadden and who was his double headed combo? Uh, Felix Jones. Wait, Felix yeah. Jones. Yeah. Felix Jones and, and McFadden. Man, his name is McFadden, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that uh, game two years ago is, I think, the second loudest Alex one that I've Alex Collins, been too. Anyway, we, we don't need to reminisce anymore about <laughs> Arkansas football. Wait, so you're saying second loudest? Yeah. So you went to the Auburn Grove game two years ago? Yes. And who? what was the first loudest? Uh, Tennessee at Oklahoma, Neyland Stadium, when Baker Mayfield was just becoming a thing, and Tennessee blew a 17-point second-half lead and lost in double overtime. Wait, Tennessee at Oklahoma? Uh, Oklahoma at Tennessee in and, Knoxville. And who blew uh, Tennessee blew it? Yeah, as, in 2015. As usual. Okay, yeah. but it was still loud just like earlier on in the game or something? No, it was loud the entire game. Okay. But they were first not- time they ever did the whole checkerboard thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fan fan driven and so um yeah, it was that was loud. If Sanford Stadium was enclosed, I feel like Jordan Dame would, would compete. Oh, right. absolutely. Well, I feel like you just lose so much having, noise. Having sat in the student section for Georgia Notre Dame, that was the loudest to my particular ears that I've ever heard. But I imagine had I been sitting in a different part of the mm. of the stadium, how do we judge? How do we judge it? I don't know. You I mean, and I were the neutral parties. That's a good point. We're in the press box. Yeah. That was a very good diplomatic way of saying it, Nathan. It was. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. I like okay. that. Okay, so I think so. Where were you, Georgia Auburn game? Like where were we sitting? Up in the very like nosebleeds. Okay, so that's about the same. I was in the very front row, <laughs> which is not good actually, because at Auburn they are like below the hedges because they have right, their own yeah. copy uh, cat hedges. So like <laughs> <laughs> people tried to jump through them, and then the one yeah. girl got stuck. Oh, well, man. it's not like Georgia's where there's like a chain link fence. Right, like right. it's a lot easier yeah, just to go just over. a bush, <laughs> literally. But I think they're a little more thorny than Georgia's bushes, maybe. Yeah. So it might not hurt, but um, it takes dedication to storm the field. Um. But yeah, I think like that front row is basically like a nosebleed because I couldn't see. Yeah. Um, I don't know the press. Bo- what What do you think about Jordan Notre Dame? 
I thought it was really loud, yeah. but I, I I thought it was the loudest Georgia game that I have heard uh, at Sanford Stadium. Granted, that's not a huge sample size because it just began, you know, in 2016. But uh, I thought it was pretty loud, and I think that it had its peaks for sure when the new lights got all demonstrated, and then when the red lights came out, and then the the game winning sack, turnover on downs, all that stuff in the final sequence, it all got uh, got pretty loud. But all right, so back to the football game on Saturday. <laughs> Other than the penalties. Uh, that that's where Henry will be watching, and I feel like it goes without saying now that the crowd is definitely something to watch because it's loud, as we've established. I mean, what else is there, X's and O's wise, that really Georgia has to watch out for? Well, what I thought Henry was going to go with was the focus of his article this week, um, just the battle between Georgia's Great Wall offensive line, the biggest offensive line in school history, against the best defensive line in the SEC at the moment with in Auburn um Derek Brown and those guys are there's a couple um you should have asked McShay about this in the box he, he I know he's yeah. big fans of them I think they're in his mock drafts both going first round I think the pair of them um but yeah that's going to be where the game is won and lost now granted that's kind of a cop out because that's usually where the game is won and lost for Georgia anyway because they're a team that has to run the ball to win so you can say that about just just about every game but and pass protection has been good in almost every game except for South Carolina where they gave up three sacks because they've only given up five sacks and three of them were against them were in South Carolina and so. a big reason for that was Javon Kinlaw yeah. probably the best defensive tackle they had run up against and now they got two point. of them. And mm. now they've got two. So, yeah. But, I mean, we we did see Georgia perform extremely well um, against Jabari Zuniga and the pass rushers at Florida. So, we'll see how that goes. But I just kind of wanted to throw them, <laughs> do, do a little plug for my uh, story that I wrote going into this Tussle week. in the trenches. Well, no, now um, you're saying Oh, that. now you're talking about his. his. I'm talking about okay, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you like that headline? Yeah, I did. I thought that was nice. Tussle yeah. like it. Um Mine was the Wild West. Because yeah, that, that was good. Kirby Smart, as a head coach at the University of Georgia, is 0-3 in games like this weekend where they have to go on the road to an SEC West opponent. Lost to Ole Miss in 2016, to Auburn in 2017, and to LSU in 2018, and now they go back to Auburn again. And none have been close. None of them close. I think... I forget the stat off the top of my head, but the combined like score line is like 141 to 60 something. Like they got outscored yeah. by 70 plus points yep. across all three of the, all three of these losses. And the more harrowing fact about all of these is Georgia didn't enter as favorites in the Ole Miss game, but they were ranked higher in every single match. So they were not favored. No, um, they were favored against LSU and they were favored against at Auburn in 2017, but they were actually underdogs despite the higher ranking going to Ole Miss in 2016. Man, can you imagine that Georgia going to LSU now being favored? No, nobody going to LSU. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, just a little food for thought. Kirby, these games give him headaches, and like I said, zero and three, the fourth crack at it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We're well, relay to our loyal listeners of what Monty said too. That was the good quotes about this story and yeah. about the Wild West. So um, I asked Monty Rice, you know, you guys are zero and three in these games. Um, what about these games in particular makes them so difficult? These road games against the West because they don't struggle on the road against the East. I don't know that they've lost one of those games. I'm sure in 20... In recent memory. Like in six, first, yeah. yeah, in 16, they likely yeah. did because Kirby's first season, Georgia wasn't very good. But anyway, I asked him what makes these games so difficult. 
and he said, as we discussed, the atmosphere is just different. And I said, well, well, how is it different? He just said, well, did you watch the game on Saturday? <laughs> did you watch Alabama LSU? Had, did, were you there when we went to Auburn in 2017? He said, no offense to Vanderbilt, but it's not like that. Now, was this a conversation? Did you respond? Like, oh, yeah, I was there in 2017. You were there too, weren't you? Something like that. No, I just let him go. Just let him <laughs> you go. were there too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, you were playing. I think I saw you, actually. But, yeah, it's they'll have to contend with that atmosphere. And I think atmosphere gets blown out of proportion quite often because at the end of the day, players make plays, coaches make calls, and that's what win, wins games. But to think that it doesn't have an effect is – mistaken and Auburn's will will affect them on Saturday but I think that this is where Georgia's experience especially up front in the trenches comes in handy the most and that everybody has a good rapport with Jake Fromm and that yes like you said the crowd is a big factor but the biggest thing it does is it hinders your communication right the guys can't hear each other you're not on the same page in terms of the playbook snap count all that stuff and so yeah they piped in extra noise at practice all week long and practice with the noise but I think that Jake Fromm and Trey Hill have known each other forever assuming that Trey yeah, Hill is, is Trey healthy Hill, like, is he gonna play I don't know <laughs> Kirby Smart said that he should be fine that he was medically cleared to practice this week and that but we'll see if he's 100% but still Georgia's offensive line very experienced and where I'm gonna be interested to see is what the wide receivers will do and seeing if they're on the same page in terms of routes in terms of when they're supposed to make their cuts their moves and kind of being um, in sync with Jake Fromm but I want to know defensively how Georgia's defense will hold up I think it'll be fine against the run game but Bo Nix deep over the middle Anthony Schwartz one of the fastest guys in the country Auburn wide receiver he was a track star and J.R. Reed on Monday got asked if um, if that bothered him at all that his Anthony Schwartz's speed because he was a track star and he simply said we've got track guys too we're fast and so they're very confident but I think that if Georgia's defense has a hole that's where it's been this year the deep ball and so I don't know if Bo Nix will, will be able to pinpoint it and show the finesse and the touch that he needs to, but I think that that's uh, – I don't know. I think that's that's an area that I'll be watching. For sure. Yeah, I completely agree. The As we mentioned going into the year, we thought the Georgia secondary was going to be the strongest point of that right. defense, and they haven't been bad by any means, but they are – between the front seven and them, I would definitely say they're the weaker half of that defense. Um, and, yeah, that's where Georgia's going to be most vulnerable, especially with speedsters like Schwartz. Um, but, yeah, the question is just can Bo, Mi- Bo, Mix, Bo Nix <laughs> apply the pressure to that secondary? Right. Because he's going to need to play probably the best game he's played all season, I would suspect, to to beat Georgia. I agree. And I think that in his first couple of tough games – he was on the road at Florida, at LSU, and so now he's got the benefit of having the home crowd and, quite frankly, being able to hear himself think, really, and be on the same page as the guys, and just enough reps under his belt now to know kind of the the ins and outs of the Auburn offense. But, yeah, I think that all comes down to, uh, to Georgia's defensive line bringing pressure. It's not really a, a flashy defense like you mentioned earlier, guys, that brings out all the interceptions, all the turnovers, tons of sacks, things like that. It just kind of diminishes the offense and smothers you out like a fire it doesn't come out and and just put you out immediately it just smothers you to death then I think that Georgia's defensive line linebackers are gonna have to bring some pressure get after Bo Dinks because if he has all day I think that he can make the throws he's proven that but 
I don't know. It'll be um, it'll be interesting to watch. Andy, I know that uh, I know we didn't have to do them this week, but you're usually the, the edges guy, numbers yeah, to know. I, know. I mean, you are I the Nathan mentioned red and black stats and info earlier. That is Mr. <laughs> Andy Walsh. Give him credit where credit is due. Uh, what what are you looking at this weekend? I, I think I am looking at the Bo Nix thing because okay. I was just looking at it now. Against LSU, he was 15 for 35 and threw an interception, and they still probably played LSU the best that they've been played all year. So, I mean, do are we sure that he needs to play well for Auburn to win? Well, that's a good question. I don't know, uh, and I think it's scary for Georgia fans to think that Bo Nix could have a bad game and that Auburn is still has an advantage there because it feels like you're right. Bo Nix is not the the heartbeat of Auburn's team, uh, and Auburn begins, you know, kind of defensively, and then I think works his way to the offense. Well, as but, long as he doesn't like throw three interceptions. Sure. You know? Yeah, obviously. But as long as he's just like a net, you know, neutral. Yeah. <laughs> like I think. I that, think yeah. As long as he manages the game, right? Turns into a game manager. Doesn't have to take it over. Just does what he's told and executes it. Um, and kind of going off of that, Auburn did not have a very good week um, last week um, for a multitude of reasons, but they beat Ole Miss, who was 3-6 and six following that game. Uh, just beat them by six points at home, 20-14 to 14 in Jordan-Hare. After the game, you had a lot of yeah. Auburn players complaining on Twitter about a lack of atmosphere, about a lack of what they deemed they didn't feel enough support from the fan base in that game. They called him out, yeah. Yeah. Um, not a good look. Not a good look. But Bo Nix actually had a fantastic game mm-hmm. apart from Definitely. getting in the end zone, and yet they only win by six points. So what – I mean, and this has been Auburn's offense. I mean, going back all the way even to – basically since Malzahn has been there or since he's been the OC, Auburn has to run the ball to win. And that's ultimately – like Bo Nix can have a good game. He could have a bad game. But where the game is really going to be decided – is in the trenches. I just think Georgia is going to be able to limit that pretty well. So that's why I do believe for Auburn to win, Bo Nix will have to pull a real performance out of the bag. Yeah. Huh? What, what about Bo Nix as a runner? Oh, that's good. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Because, I mean, against Kentucky, who probably had the most rushing yards against Georgia's defense, of course, it was a wide receiver at quarterback, so it's not really the <laughs> same. But I think the premise is still there at, at a dual threat quarterback, giving them problems. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, lots of things to watch out for this weekend. Georgia and Auburn tomorrow at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 local time. Jordan-Hare Stadium on the plains in Auburn, Alabama. If Georgia wins, it clinches a spot in Atlanta for the third consecutive year as SEC East champions. And so a lot on the line for the Bulldogs. A loss probably will get rid of college playoff uh, college football playoff hopes in 2019 and 2020. But all right, lots of things to uh, look out for there. We'll dive into what happened next week. But, Andy, you are here uh, for more than just to, to give us your expertise on Georgia football. You are one of our Georgia basketball insiders. And you are there in the trenches every day with one of the top players in the country and Anthony Edwards and Tom Crane's program. And the men's basketball team off to a 2-0 start, which – no, nothing in the loss column, but I was keeping up with the game the other day, and the Citadel <laughs> happened to put up 40 points in the first half, and I think what they put 86 as yeah, a whole, 86, yeah. and Georgia was losing to Western Carolina at halftime in the season mm-hmm. opener. 
what's your analysis of the team through through two games? Two and oh, so I don't want to be too harsh on him, but I mean it just I don't know. Like, I don't know what to think. Yeah, I think it's safe to say there's been zero defense to start <laughs> the year. Uh and I think that was sort of to be expected. Again, I've probably said this a million times now, but they have ten new players. So I think there's some growing pains in that area, but um that's pretty much all Tom Crean talks about is is the communication on defense and defensive transition and et cetera, et cetera. All all of the above on the defensive uh end is what they need to improve on. So what about Ant-Man? Anthony Edwards, 24 points opening night. He had 29 against the Citadel. So right now it seems like he's playing kind of as advertised, taking yeah. over the game as you would expect him to do in could a team full of newcomers. Yeah, could have had a... He, uh, after the game, uh, apparently he was saying that all all his teammates in, in the locker room were like, why'd you miss it? Because he, he had a free throw to go to 30. And uh, they were like, wow, why'd you miss the free throw? You could have had 30. And he was like, man, I, I, he said he didn't care. <laughs> I don't believe it, but I'm sure he'll get 30 at some point. Yeah, this year. I'm sure that'll be plenty of chances. <laughs> but with him, I mean, outside of him on the team, he's going to get his fair share of points and um, and whatnot. But I mean, who are the other kind of impact players that will make a difference and contribute for Georgia this year, since they are so inexperienced across the board? And I think it's kind of telling that one of their next most impactful players is another freshman in Severe Wheeler. Um, it, it feels like any time him and Anthony Edwards are on the floor, he'll he's you know five foot ten, so he, he's sort of the true point guard. Um, but he'll he'll uh, he'll take the ball up, sort of be the true point guard, and then they'll move Anthony Edwards off the ball, and they seem to click well. So yeah, I think, and I think he had nineteen in the first game, which is the second highest behind uh, Edwards, and I think last game he had. I want to say eight assists and like one turnover. So it's, yeah, he's definitely their second most impactful player for sure. Kareen and company are quite happy that Texas A&M's coach, I forget his oh, name, yeah. was fired. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Billy Kennedy. Yeah. Cause that was, that was what in March, I think. So they, they moved pretty quickly on, uh, on severe Wheeler. Um, and I know, uh, old, assistant who just left for Kennesaw State I forgot his name Amir Abdul yeah Abdur Rahim yeah um he just he was he was the big uh pull for uh severe are we just gonna overlook that you perfectly pronounced that but at the same time I think I thought you were just stumbling through it I literally thought you were making that up but no, he he right. I covered this team last year they used they used to bring him out like I mean, mobbly really jigs like, um, the sports information director, shout out Mike Mobley for the men's basketball. He sometimes like, you know, we have a lot of abilities, not, not as much as football, but like, I mean, Kirby comes out twice a week. Cream probably comes out twice a week for, and then plus game. So like we get tired of talking to Tom. Everyone, Tom gets tired of talking, even, yeah. which is actually like crazy. You know, doesn't seem like he's get t- gets tired of talking, but Mike will be like, gets tired of talking yeah. to us. <laughs> so Mike will be like, all right, we're just going to switch it up today. And we're just going to give you an assistant, assistant coach. So I talked to Amir. I talked to. Uh, Joe Scott, who is mm-hmm. pretty boring, but um, he's still there. Yeah. yeah, he's still everyone's there except for Amir. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I remember when he took the job, and he's their primary recruiter. Yeah, and he was he used he used to be on the Texas A and M staff, so that's mm. why he had a big pull for Severe. So even when he left for Kennesaw State, uh, 
uh, he was still like severe. Should just go. You should just go to uh, Georgia or go to it because of the school, not because. Of Joe Scott went to uh, apparently a couple of weeks ago. Went to my high school to recruit somebody. Ooh, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like as a an alum of Saint <laughs> no. Pius. <laughs> no. But so, uh, I there's some sort of you off there, man. But I have a question just about how basketball availability works. So with football, you never get to talk to freshmen because that's Kirby's Georgia's rule. I'm about to say so. <laughs> how are how does that work for them? Is like I don't think there's any restrictions. Y- any restrictions? Yeah, because there's nine freshmen. Mm-hmm. So we've talked to Anthony Edwards. We've talked to Severe Wheeler, uh, Christian Brown. Um, have we talked to anybody else? What a life! Yeah, yeah know, it must be nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> say, oh, but like, yeah. So I mean, I'm sure if they had more veterans, they'd probably shy away from the freshmen. But you can't really. Yeah. And well, uh, and two because if, okay, so if they didn't throw out Ant Man, there'd be a riot. Oh yeah, so. oh yeah, <laughs> they're not allowed to do that. We got to talk to Ant Man. Imagine what? just him coming to Georgia and then him never talking yeah. to the media, right? And then going to the he, NBA, he would go straight to the NBA. The thing is, is he he's like probably one of their most like him and Severe Wheeler are probably the most like media savvy players on the team. Like they they like seem to enjoy talking to the media, and he's <laughs> nice. very good at it. So. What about the offense of the team? I mean, so you mentioned at the beginning that defense is pretty much non-existent, but 95 points the other night against the Citadel. I think last year the team put up 98 against Texas, and that was the highest total. And then other than that, didn't even really kind of get that close. And one thing that they did a lot last year, I think, was just just throw up a bunch of threes and hope that a Mm -hmm. couple of them fell. is it more of the same this year offensively? Is there more of a set? Is it is it kind of just like rec ball and that, hey, go set a pick and roll and do what you want to do? Uh, I mean, it's working, and they're putting up a lot of points. Yeah. So what are it, you seeing? It's 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 a lot of transition. Okay. So, uh, and I think that's going to be their strong suit is just getting out and running, um, especially with Ant, Ant-Man and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Tyree Crump and Severe Wheeler. Like I said, like they, that's just – what they're good at and i think uh they got in the double bonus really early um in both halves so they were at the free throw line and they surprisingly shot well i think it was like 21 of 29 for the free throw line which was surprisingly well uh um so they did surprisingly well there and i think that's what really shut up their points and what like that's what tom creed said what kept them from maybe losing that game because of the lack of defense and the lack of rebounding because citadel they're 50% 50% of their shots are three or they shoot 50% three pointers of their shots are three pointers. Um, so they were chucking, uh, and you could really see that. Like they, they had five out sometimes where they just, they were ready <laughs> to shoot. So I think that gave them problems, but they were lucky to get the free throws on and, uh, and that pretty much gave them the win. Now, granted, I don't think, it could have been as bad as the Savannah State Georgia game last year, November 9th, twenty eighteen. I covered this game. It was uh, actually it was Georgia's first game. It was Savannah State. I remember. Yeah, I remember. Second. I was just looking back at they. That. Sc- you said Texas was in the most points they had scored. Uh uh-uh. uh. Georgia scored a hundred and ten points in Tom oh. Crean's first game. A hundred and ten to seventy six on Friday on a <laughs> Friday night. It was back way back in the day. Does that For, count? <laughs> uh, no, because Savannah State has an unreal pace like they would just <laughs> if you talk about citadel just chucking up threes savannah state would just literally just go and just throw it up <laughs> like you know ken palm has like the rankings of like all the division one yeah, schools you know fbs fcs savannah state was like the 
most fast like team where they don't care about like anything else but just like shooting the ball as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I think Delaware State, who they're playing uh, today, I believe that's who it is. Uh, they have a really big, or you know, they play really fast as well. So I assume hmm. there's going to be another high scoring game tonight, um, which cool. I think placed them placed their strength so far. If I feel like if they face like an SEC caliber like defensively physical team i think they'd get bullied and yeah they probably would lose so i think that's good for it's good for them now but eventually they'll be playing that to doing that two times a week out of 353 division one schools and three consecutive years in a row savannah state had the highest pace out of all of them wow it's quite the stat as it worked though (laughs) not really i think i think when you have the fastest pace it's for a reason Yeah, that's interesting. So I guess we'll see what the, what that does for the team coming up soon. Uh, I mean, the SEC already mayhem already began in Kentucky, lost yeah. to Evansville. I think uh, I'll be the media, you be Anthony Edwards in this situation. Anthony, did you hear that Kentucky lost to Evansville? Who? <laughs> that's what he said. Somebody asked him right after they finished interviews. He just goes, "Who?" Now the Purple Aces. I think somewhere in Indiana, right? Evansville, Indiana. Their yeah. softball team yeah, is always yeah. here for those tournaments in the springtime. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, that is very interesting to see that Kentucky and Coach Cal already lost a game this year, but uh, plenty of basketball still to come. And uh, Andy told me that he didn't tell me, but I can just sense it that he has been waiting for this moment all show long. It's the return of our favorite segment where we probably don't make you money, Queen's Royal Flush. So for anybody that is new to the program, this is where Nathan and Henry give us what they're looking at on the money line in college football this week. Henry will give us his top five picks for games against the spread, and then we'll do more with Nathan Moore, and Nathan will give us his five games. Sometimes they agree, sometimes they don't. Last week, they disagreed on the same game. Happy to report that Nathan Moore, (laughs) left fist in the air, was the winner in the Virginia Tech Wake Forest bet. So the Red and Black Sports Report made you money on that game. You can't deny that. The three-word headline that Nathan used earlier in the show, as was expected. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Henry, what are you looking at uh, this week? Give me Navy over Notre Dame, folks. They have plus seven. Come on, I'm gonna. I picked them straight up in the uh, where is that game? Pretty sure it's at Notre Dame, but that's okay. Okay, that's okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go the Navy midshipman. My dad is a um, not an alum, but a former member of the navy so i gotta go navy on that one all right you could say that my loyalty to the navy outweighs my loyalty to the catholic church (laughs) 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 all right um virginia tech and uh georgia tech (laughs) well i mean because navy because no 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 no, no, i get you good you you can keep going you don't have to explain okay we get it all right so Virginia Tech and Georgia. Well, because <laughs> Navy and their name, let me explain it. Like both no, schools. I'm not making fun of you. That was very funny. But <laughs> both schools are like people just cheer for them just because like Catholics just cheer for their yeah. name just because people, people who were from, uh, you know, whose parents went in the Navy were just cheer for the Navy just because. So, All right. Um, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. I am not confident in Georgia Tech, and I'm going to go hop on the Virginia, Virginia Tech bandwagon. You picked them last week. Um, I'll pick Virginia Tech. They have minus seven. Uh, that should be easy. Come on. Um, they did beat Week Forest by a lot. You, you handily won that pick. And then my third pick, I'm going to go Washington State minus 11 over Stanford. 
Um, and then I have here in my notes, I put UMass or Kansas. I don't know why. I think... No, you have notes. You came prepared. Well, no, I took notes. Early. I took notes. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I, I took notes earlier in the show. Er, no, earlier than normal, like twenty minutes earlier in the show than normal. Um, oh, baby steps. So UMass has. What do y'all think? You can give me some input here. Well, Andy, so UMass has has minus uh, thirty five. No, 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 no. no, no. With, I have UMass in mine. With Northwestern, they're, they're plus sorry, thirty. Sorry, sorry, not minus. Of yeah. course, not minus. No, they're plus forty one on mine. Like an even better pick. It's a noon game at Northwestern. There is no way Northwestern is yeah. beating you. There, I don't think they're capable points. of scoring 38 points. Yeah. So this is insane. Lot. I'm going to bet all my money on this now. You're right. Okay. That's my lock of the week, Tickets people. as low as $2. <laughs> all right. Oh, my gosh. A lot less than... Go, uh, how much are the Auburn Georgia tickets? Andy, you had uh, that on number tonight. 115 as of... Uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Well, let's right. go to Chicago. Go to Evanston. Catch yeah. a game up there. My boy, shout out my boy, Kyrie McGowan, uh, scored a 73-yard touchdown for the Wildcats last really? week. Yeah, yeah, Dalton, yeah, Dalton High, High alum, yeah. yeah. So. Wow. Second best thing to come out of Dalton High School after Nathan Moore. <laughs> and carpets. <laughs> <laughs> is that five? I lost count. No, so okay. that is four. Um, and then now I'm going to try to fi- uh, figure it out. I'm going to go Florida. Minus seven over Missouri. Yeah, I'll take um, that too. I mean, it's a noon game with a CBS. And it's That's just a like... good pick right there. <laughs> <laughs> but that game is in Como, and Mizzou does play a lot better at home than they do on the road. I don't know, but I still think Florida will win by more than a touchdown, especially if Kelly Bryant doesn't play again. It's 11 o'clock local time. At that point, the players probably don't. Like, how do you get ready for an 11 a.m. local time kickoff if you're a player? How do you do it as a fan? Yeah, honestly. So those are... Henry's uh, picks of the week, Queens Royal Flush. His lock is UMass against Zoom the spread ass. against Northwestern. All right, let's do more with Nathan Moore. Nathan, what are you looking All at, right, buddy? I'll tell you, Henry learned his lesson from last week not to go against me because we have a couple <laughs> uh, shared picks. Um, so, yeah, I'm all with you. When I saw that UMass line, what little money I had in my pocket just flew out immediately. Um, UMass plus 38 at Northwestern. I'm I'm huge into massive spreads because, like I said, that puts a lot of pressure on whatever the team is that's favored to even score that many points. I think UMass could win outright Northwestern. I hate to say Wait, it, Kyra. what? I think, I think Northwestern is not a very good team at all. I, listen, I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying I wouldn't be – as shocked if they won outright as plus 38 would suggest. Yeah. I've got a friendly like competition idea between the four of us. Let's uh let's guess the attendance of that game. And the winner, I don't know what the winner gets other than bragging rights, but you made me think about that. Like Northwestern and UMass, it's going to be cold and probably oh, yeah. snowing up there. Uh, yeah, let's guess the attendance. So UMass is one in nine, but so too is... Northwestern. Yeah, so how many people are gonna go? No, Northwestern's one in eight. I was gonna say eight thousand people. Eight thousand? I'll go twelve thousand. You'll go twelve thousand. Eight thousand maybe like in the stadium, but like announced attendance will still be like twenty five thousand, I feel like. Just think so. How big is Northwestern's It's not a very big stadium. Yeah, I know, that's what I was gonna say. I'm gonna go with five grand. Wow, okay. But okay, sorry to cut you off. That I just started thinking about Um, it. (laughs) Yeah, moving on with you again on Florida, uh, minus six and a half at Missouri. Um, I like the the Gators there. I don't know if Kelly Bryant is going to – I would imagine he would play, um, but we'll see. I think either way it doesn't matter. They'll win. Then Ohio State, minus 51 at Rutgers. 
I think they're going to beat <laughs> they're them. They're going to cover. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I thought about taking Ohio State last week when they were favored by an ungodly amount against Maryland. And they, they put they up do, like 80 yeah, on they them. They do what they always do to Maryland, which is score like 70 points. And they're going to do it again at Rutgers. Then oh I'm breaking my number one rule in terms of uh, entertainment purposes, gambling. I never include Georgia, but I will this week. Georgia, the line that I'm on at the moment is minus two. If you got on it earlier in the week, um, you could have gotten something different. But Georgia minus two at Auburn. I think Georgia will win. And this isn't the NFL where like one-point spreads often end up happening. Basically in college football, if it's under a three-point spread, it's basically just pick them. Yeah. and then lastly, sticking again with a common theme of you, you took Navy because you picked him in the paper. I picked Baylor in the paper, and I'm picking Baylor to win outright on plus nine against Oklahoma at home. The Bears, golden season. Ooh, the golden mm, Bears undefeated just, season marches on. That, I think that's the Big 12's only chance of really getting into the playoff is an undefeated Baylor, but... Uh, what, what about a one-loss Oklahoma? No, they're, my, they're my national nah. championship pick. Nah. Give them some credit. Hey, I'll give you credit. Shout out to the Minnesota pick. Gophers, man. Good pick. Oh, man. yeah, us too, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. A little pat on the back. <laughs> All right, was so, that last week? It was. Really? It seems like forever. It again. does. <laughs> so those are our picks against the spread this week from Nathan and Henry. You've got 10 games, so hopefully between those you will win a little bit of money if you do choose to, uh, to to go with either of their picks. But we'll see what happens. We've got about a minute and a half left, guys. And so I know we made our picks in the paper this week, but uh, this weekend, Georgia at Auburn, any, any kind of changes in thought since those were on Tuesday. We had Georgia across the board in the paper. I think it'll be a tight game. I think I said it would be a two or three point game and uh, ultimately I do think that probably Rodrigo Blankenship ends up being the difference uh, so I think Georgia ends up winning in a close one and punches its ticket to Atlanta yeah I mm-hmm. think I think that sounds about right I'm just gonna derail this entire show <laughs> towards the end looking so you I can already go ahead and tease what my best thing of the week next week is gonna be Mama Goldberg's Deli Ooh. The original. In so Auburn, okay, right. oh, I can't wait. Okay, wait. Here's the thing. So I grew up going to Mama G's. Loved it. Absolutely loved every minute of it. Um, now my brother goes to Auburn. He. We also have a cousin that goes to Auburn, and it's been a topic of conversation as to is Mama G's o- overrated? Because it I've, probably I've, is. To because be fair. we've we uh, apparently it used to be way better back in the day, and now it's just like not as good. Like the act, like the food, like, just isn't as good. What do you think about the whole nachos thing? Like, is that, I love is that a thing? <laughs> Have you heard of these nachos, people? Andy and mine. I've well, that can the nachos at the nachos at Mama Goldberg's. They're like Auburn staple restaurant. They have mm. a couple of them. It's not like just one. There's a, it's like a chain in Auburn. Is nachos on uh, Doritos? Nacho cheese Doritos. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, Andy. One word. Who wins? Georgia or Auburn? Georgia. All right. How many points? Six. All right. So those are our picks. For the week, next week when we come back, we will open up with the Mama G's debate and get you the real hard-hitting journalism on if it is worse than it was before. We'll get the nacho review, the press box food power ranking, all that you want to know about Georgia and Auburn and more, and maybe Andy will come back for some more men's basketball. But same time, same place, next Friday morning, you've been listening to the Red and Black Sports Report on 90.5 FM WUOG. If you haven't gotten a a copy of the paper already, the red bins around campus. Find them. Tons of great stuff in there. Check back all weekend long 
at Red Black Sports on Twitter or redandblack.com slash sports. We'll talk to you again a week from today. Hey, everybody. This is DJ Save the Bees here.